The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about eight miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. We're continuing today in our study of family matters because, as we've said many times before, family matters more in this society than it ever has. We've been looking at the responsibilities of the husbands in the marriage relationship, and we have seen that a husband is to love his wife with a Christ-like love. But what does this kind of love really look like? We've explored the biblical definition from the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and today we're going to begin to look at some ways in which this biblical form of love manifests itself in the realm of the family. I hope you'll stay tuned for the message today, but first we have a song selection that we hope you'll enjoy.
This morning, I want to go back to the book of Colossians. We've been on uh, the family. We've been preaching on family matters because as we always remind ourselves, family matters. It matters more today than it ever has. And no matter what your family looks like, what we need to see is what God says about our families and how we're to uh, engage one another. You know, the Bible gets down to where we live. It gets right down to the heart of the matter. You know, sometimes I've heard people kid about the preacher meddling, and yeah, I get it that sometimes the preacher's meddling in a sense uh, uh, that he's getting down pretty detailed into your lives, but uh, but the reason the preacher meddles is because the scripture meddles. The scripture, the Bible, meddles with us very much. Uh, of course, I say that facetiously because that's what we need is God's guidance. We've been looking at husbands now for the last couple of Sundays, and we're going to hopefully finish up today talking about husbands. Um, I will say that as some of you husbands came through the line, Brother Mackey, last time, uh, I was asked more than once, when am I going to get off the husbands and get on something else? But uh, nobody handed me a check or anything, so I don't know. I just assumed it didn't matter that much. <laughs> uh, all kidding aside, uh, it is very important that we understand, men, what our roles are in our families, and not just in our own families, but the way we model our lives for those around us. You say, well, I'm not married, preacher. Well, that doesn't matter. You need to know what a godly man, a godly husband looks like. You say, I'm a man, I'm not a woman, but you need to know what a godly woman looks like. And we're going to talk about parents and children here shortly. So we, we all need to know these things and to learn them. So we're going to go back to Colossians chapter 3 and begin reading in verse 17 again. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Lord willing, we're going to start with that verse every time we talk about the family because it tells us what we're supposed to be doing everything for, and that is in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're supposed to be doing everything we do to honor Him and to be giving thanks to Him. Then it says in verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And that's where we've been for the last two Sundays. We're talking about husbands loving their wives. Now, I'm not going to do a lot of review just to remind you that that's a commandment and not a suggestion. Elder Danny Wisner yesterday uh, in one of his messages made the statement that he learned it really helped him a lot in his life when he, when he figured out that the Bible is not a good suggestion book, it's a commandment book. <laughs> it's telling us how we're supposed to live our lives. It's telling us what will help us. And you know, the, the thing about it is this. If we'll conform our, our actions to the scriptures, our lives will be much better. That doesn't mean we won't have persecution. It doesn't mean we're not going to have sickness and troubles in this world. But it means that from an emotional and a mental and a, a spiritual standpoint, our lives will be so much better if we'll conform it to what the Word of God says. So we talked about the fact that the commandment to love was given, not the suggestion. We're to love our wives with 
a Christ-like love. We talked about that. We're, we're to lead our wives, husbands, in a loving way. It is loving, modeled leadership. It's not just uh, some kind of general coming in and snapping out orders. It's, a, it's the idea of, of servanthood, servant leadership, being willing to do whatever it takes to, to show your family that you love them and to lead them in the right way. And then last week, we just took a little detour, kind of, and looked at what biblical love is all about from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This morning, I want us to take all of these principles that we've learned from the Scripture, and I want us to talk about it from a practical standpoint. Husbands, men, fathers, and you ladies listen, because all of the things that we're going to preach about practical the practical application of love will apply to you as well. Now, I know we're picking on the men, but we're going we're gonna to stay on them. But they are the example. This is the example, rather, that all of us are to follow. So let's talk about this morning what this kind of biblical loving leadership looks like. What does it look like? How does it look, men, to love and to lead our wives and our families? See, there's going to be some common characteristics of those who put these principles into practice. And remember, we said it's not enough just to feel love. We need to implement that love in a practical way. We need to see practically what lovingly leading our wives and families looks like. We need to see that. So, so what does it look like? Well, the first thing that it looks like, it looks like spending time with them. Someone said one time that the, they asked the question, how do you spell love? You spell love, T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. So when you're loving your wives and your families in the way Christ loved them, you will be spending time with them. You remember, we already said this one time, Christ did not lead his disciples by long distance relationship. He didn't send them a letter every once in a while saying, hey, do this, hey, do that. He was right there with them. See, and this idea, this idea of a husband spending time with his wife must be really important to God because he actually included it in one of his laws that he gave back in the book of Deuteronomy. If you want to turn back over there quickly, in Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 5, he says this, when a man hath taken a new wife, and this is a newlywed husband, he shall not go out to war. Neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year and shall cheer up his wife, which he hath taken. It was so important that husbands spend time with their wives that God exempted new husbands from the military service of that day. He said, you got a year. If you've been just married and there's a war going on, that doesn't matter. You've got a year that I want you to stay home with your wife. And isn't that what we see with Jesus? So many times we see Jesus with his disciples. He was eating, sleeping, walking, praying, always with them. Every once in a while, he'd go off into a mountain to pray. And there's nothing wrong with a husband or a wife taking a little time to themselves. But he always came back. Look at, look, at, in, look at the bad times. Mark chapter 6. Just, we're going to turn to a few examples of this. Because I think it's important that, that we see that it is indeed scriptural that we spend time with our 
families, with our wives and families. In, John, in Mark chapter 6, okay, they had just, we, had just re, we just read about and just been told about the death of John the Baptist. That was Jesus' cousin, you remember? That was his cousin. That was, he was the, great, uh, the, one, the greatest among men uh, that had ever been born of women, we're told. Jesus made that statement himself. Uh, and, and he had just been executed by Herod. He had just died. He had been beheaded in a very heinous way, okay? And so the apostles had been told about this. They had, been, they had, they had learned this terrible news. And you know, you know what Jesus did in the bad times? He spent time with them. Look at verse 30 of this chapter 6. The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. He didn't say go away. He didn't say leave me alone and let me grieve by myself. He said, let's just, let's just get together. Let's spend a little time together. They'd also been out preaching. They'd also been out sharing the word and were coming back to tell Jesus about it. He wanted to spend time with them in the good and the bad times. Over in the book of Luke, this is one of my favorite passages, and I really, I confess to you, Luke chapter 22, I struggle sometimes reading this, uh, maintaining my composure, because when you read about this, you've got to understand where we are in the life and ministry of Jesus. The storm clouds of Calvary are gathering on the horizon. He can hear the thunder. He can see the lightning. He knows it's coming. The burden of what he's about to bear for us is becoming real to him. Not that, I'm not saying this in the sense that he didn't understand it. I, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain, though, that through his ministry here, his 33 years on this earth, every step he took was a step toward this day, this Calvary, this time of Calvary, when he would bear the sins of his people. And it was getting closer, and it was coming upon him. And in Luke chapter 22, we read about him preparing, telling his disciples to go in and prepare the Lord's Supper, uh, prepare the Passover meal. He was going to observe the Passover, the Jewish festival of the Passover, one more time. And then in verse 14 of chapter 22, look what he says. When the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with, des with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know, sometimes when I know something bad's coming up in my life, I like to get off by myself. I like to just leave me alone, family, stay, you know. And sometimes I get that. It's, it's just the way we are as men. Some, some of you ladies are that way. Some of all of us are that way from time to time. But when Jesus was about to suffer the most, he said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. He's about, to, he's about to implement the first New Testament church service. He is about to gather with them in a New Testament church way for the very first time. And he didn't say, I've just really been kind of looking forward to this. He said, he emphasized it, he repeats it. In the Greek, it's a double, it's the, it's the same word repeated. He says, with desire, I've desired to do this. I want to be with you. I'm about to show you something about what I'm about to experience. I'm about to go to the cross. I'm about to become that which God hates. I'm about to bear something that you can never bear. And I just want to be with you. I just want to share with you, you see. 
So many other places we see that. Over in John 13, John the 13th chapter, sweetest, one of the sweetest, most precious accounts of Jesus being with his loved ones, being with his bride, you see. The bride of Christ. This is what he is. This is the husband. This is the bridegroom. This is the, the man Christ Jesus who is fully God and fully man who, who is with his bride. And we're told in chapter 13, it's before the feast of the Passover when Jesus knew his hour was come that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And you see what happens next. Supper ended. The devil has put into the heart of Judas Iscariot's Simon's son to betray him. And I believe this is immediately following the implementation of the Lord's Supper. It says he riseth from supper, verse 4, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself and poured water into a basin. And verse 5, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherein, wherewith he was girded. He goes on to talk about his encounter there. He begins to tell them the next three or four chapters is a soliloquy, basically, a sermon by Jesus about what was coming and what they could expect. But notice what he's doing. He's being with them. He's spending time with them. If you turn over sometime, we won't do it for lack of time this morning, but if you turn over sometime to Acts, the first chapter, you're going to find in those first four verses that he assembled, the last act that he performed before he ascended back to heaven is he assembled together with his disciples. He spent time with them. See, that's what, that's what this love looks like that we're talking about, husbands loving your wives. It looks like spending time with your, with your wives. That's what it looks like. It also looks like speaking often with them, okay? Now think about what Jesus did with his disciples when he was with them. He spent time with them. He carefully, he diligently instructed them. He, he spent time talking to them and leading them. He led and served them by teaching them. Beloved, as husbands, we must lead and serve by teaching our wives. Can you, did you know that? That one of your jobs as husband is to teach your wife? Now, I'm not talking about teaching her how to shoot a gun, although that's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm not talking about teaching her the practical thing. That's nothing wrong with that. But I'm primarily talking about teaching her the Word of God. Remember, husbands, you're supposed to be the leaders, the spiritual leader of your household. You're supposed to be the one who digs down into the Word of God yourself and then teaches your wife and your family what the Word of God says. And that means that if you're going to teach your families, you must know what the Word of God is. You must stay in there. You see, one of the biggest failings of my life as I look back across it is the failure to stay in the Word, especially at a younger age, and then to bring that Word out and to sit down with my wife and my family and teach them. Now listen, wives, I'm not saying you have no duty to study. I'm thankful for my wife. She diligently studies every day. I see her reading the Word of God almost every day. And I'm thankful for that. You have a duty to do that as well. But husbands primarily on us is the onus, the burden of, of bringing the spirituality to our, to our home. Okay, And that means your wife, if you only have a wife at home, or your kids if you still have children at home. But it means setting that example of study. See, Jesus... And, and let me say this too. It also looks like setting the right example. That's the other thing that this, 
love looks like. It looks like speaking and teaching and studying the word to be able to share it, but it also looks like setting the right example before our wives. Now, I realize that home is a place you can kind of let down and be yourself. But remember, there's two yourselves inside, okay? There's one yourself that is nasty and, and selfish and, and will continually do things that will harm other people because it's that old Adam man. But the other part of yourself that's inside of you is that, is that child of God, that, that new creation, you see. That you're, the, the part of yourself that you should be at home and in every situation is a blood-bought child of God. There's that other version of yourself you should never be. And I know we struggle with that. I'm constantly struggling with the old man. But the part of you that's deep down inside that the Lord has put there in the new birth, that's the part that should always be overpowering and overcoming. Now, I realize we struggle with that. You see, one thing about Jesus was he didn't just leave them an instruction manual. Certainly we have it here. I get that. Yes, the Bible is our instruction manual. But he, when he was here physically with his bride, he didn't just leave them things to ponder over. He actually modeled the way they were supposed to live in front of his bride. And husbands, we're supposed to model in front of our wives and families, what they are supposed to be from the Word of God. That's how we teach. We don't just hand them an instruction manual and walk away. Would you take? You think about fathers when you, if you have, if you have sons or daughters that, uh, you know, that were learning how to ride a bike. Did you walk out there when they're five years old? Say, here's the bike. Here's the instruction manual. Good luck. You didn't do that, did you? You got on there and you showed them how. And you tried to show them the right way to do it. We didn't just give them a manual. we go out there and model it, you see. You know, Jesus, how many times did he say, follow me? How many times did he say, I've left you an example of you should do something? How many times did he model the right example before them? For example, prayer. He didn't just say pray. He lived a life of constant prayer. He was always going off to pray to his father. He was always looking at them. He taught them the model prayer, right? What about faith? Faith. He didn't just say, you ought to have faith in God. He lived a life that demonstrated his confidence in and his submission to the sovereignty of God the Father. And he was God himself. But he showed us how we're supposed to do it. What about Scripture? What about the, the authority of Scripture? He didn't just say we ought to believe the Scripture. He himself actually fled to the word of God when he was tempted. You know, when he was tempted by the devil, he, he was the living word. He could have made up new scripture right there. He could have come up with some new verses and said, okay, here's something new, Satan, you hadn't thought about. But he didn't. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written, you see. He went back to the word of God. He said in one place, the scriptures cannot be broken. He was modeling for them. What about church attendance? Church att he didn't just say that they ought to be in worship services. He himself went to worship regularly. Back over in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, we're told he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. It was his habit to go to church. There was no question that 
the temple in that day, which was the place of public worship, was important to him. Beloved, as husbands as, and as wives, as, as just children of God, but I'm talking particularly to the husbands, it ought to be our custom to go to the house of God. And our children and our spouses ought to see that modeled on a regular basis. See, biblical leadership involves being a biblical example. That's what love looks like. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 